Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jonathan All. More and more people are living with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. The Alzheimer's Association notes that one in three seniors dies with dementia, and by 2050, nearly 14 million Americans are expected to be living with it. Those growing numbers make innovative efforts to treat dementia particularly important, including the kind of work that our guests today are doing on a day-to-day basis. Joining me in studio to talk about what they and their peers have described as a common-sense approach to treating dementia are John Morley, who's the professor of geriatrics at St. Louis University and also sees patients at SSM Health St. Louis University Hospital, and Martin Oral, the director of the Institute of Mental Health at the University of Nottingham and one of the founders of CST. Dr. Morley, Dr. Orell, thank you very much for joining us today. Great to be here. Thank you very much. And with a topic like this, your thoughts and stories are very important. We'd like to invite you to join us in the conversation. If you have a question, a comment, or a story on the topic, please call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STLOnAir or email us at STLPublicRadio.org talk at stlpublicradio.org. Let's start with just uh, uh, framing this a little bit, because I think when people hear dementia and they think Alzheimer's, they think it's all the same thing. Maybe just a a quick definition of terms so that we know what we're speaking of uh, when we're talking about Alzheimer's disease and dementia and how they're related. So there are many, many forms of dementia. Uh, Alzheimer's makes up maybe just under 50% of the dementias. Vascular disease affecting the brain is about 35%. There's something bizarre called Lewy body dementia that's totally different. And then there are about 160 other forms of dementia. So dementia is the inability to think properly under certain circumstances can be very different under different circumstances. And I think we've got to recognize that Being demented is not ideal, but in our studies that we've done here and over 10,000 people in Missouri, over the age of 70, about 20% of people have some degree of dementia. So it's common as we get older, and most people cope with it, but what we're interested in is trying to give people the opportunity to actually slow down the loss of memory and to be able to function better, and that's what Professor Oral has been really good at doing. It's interesting because um, when I came through passport control in the States and I said I was going to be uh, speaking on dementia care, the, um, the person checked my passport said, what? And I said, speaking on dementia care. And he said, what? And he was just having a, a joke with me. But then he said to me, what's the difference between normal forgetting and uh, Alzheimer's or dementia? And I said, well, one of the things is with dementia, you tend to get a progressive decline in your memory and ability to keep orientated over time. But also it has an impact on your daily life in order in terms of being able to perhaps things like handle your money, use your phone, read a book. And this is when you've not found some kind of treatable physical cause like sometimes a Uh, A water infection or a chest infection can cause an element of confusion. So it tends to progress over time, and it's more than what you might usually think of as perhaps just getting occasionally forgetful, um, which actually we have at all all ages, not just uh, people over 65. 
my wife will, would love to tell you how forgetful I am on a daily <laughs> basis in my 40s. Um, but I, I, you, you both talked about memory loss, but dementia is much more, I mean, that may be a prime symptom, but dementia is much more complicated than just memory loss. Well, it includes also loss of function. So you're losing memory so that you can't function appropriately. We have a sort of twilight zone, which is mild cognitive impairment, which is usually predominantly memory uh, loss, uh, some but not a huge amount, and then you progress from that to losing function, or you suddenly find that you have some bizarre behaviors, as in Lewy body dementia, associated with not remembering, and in some people it can fluctuate up and down, and in other people it can do very well. But the major message is you know, we did a study at the VA many years ago where we showed over seven and a half years a large number of people with early memory loss could be reverted to normal over seven and a half years with appropriate paying attention to the causing causative factors and then doing things like Professor Oral has developed with the cognitive stimulation therapy. Let's talk about CST. Uh, what is cognitive stimulation therapy and how does it differ from the way that um, traditionally uh, people have been treated uh, that are suffering from dementia? So cognitive stimulation therapy is a program usually of group sessions where people are um, having a discussion on particular topics. It usually starts with um, a group song, perhaps a discussion of what the, you know, what the weather's like today. And so it usually has perhaps five to eight people um, with dementia, with some facilitators um, running the group, and they may have uh, discussions about a whole range of things. And there's an emphasis on thinking and discussing things and people's opinions. So it's not really, um, it's not like a quiz where you're just testing people on the facts and you have right or wrong answers. So they might be discussing, for example, different types of art. They might be looking at, um, you know, comparing phones from now compared to in the past. So there's something about um, making sense of the world by, you know, by discussing it and also by being able to, you know, have a range of things, sometimes word games and things like that, that keep you mentally stimulated. So it's not just reminiscing about the past, but it's linking things to kind of things that happen every day. And one of the things was when we were trying to um, see what kind of groups people with dementia wanted, um, sometimes family carers were saying, well, they won't want to talk about, you know, how to use money or they won't want to talk about the news. But actually, the people with dementia said, yes, we're very interested in that. We do, we do like to think about money and how you use it and how it differs compared to today, compared to previously. And we are very interested in what's happening in the news. So it's, it's keeping mentally stimulated and it's not, it's not like trying to get them to go through a series of tests and things. And it has a general effect and there's a social element to it. And if we think about how we learn, you know, discussing things, thinking about things is a key element to learning rather than just seeing them on a, on a blackboard or something like that. I understand that uh, a highly trained facilitator is going to be able to make the most of those and really help make those connections in the best way possible. But what role do people who love and care about their their family members and friends who are suffering from this, what role can we play in in uh, having CST be part of everyday life? Well, that's a, that's a really important question because um, what we found in some of our work is actually uh, the family carers sometimes wonder how to spend time in an interesting way with the person with dementia. 
um, and they find them might find themselves correcting somebody and uh, trying to kind of keep them orientated to what the, the facts are behind things. But it's actually thinking about uh, interesting things you might want to do together, which can involve, um, can involve simple things like, you know, looking at magazines together, discussing things, uh, sometimes different types of games you want to do, perhaps talking about the news and things like that. So it's actually thinking of interests that people have had and doing it in a way which is um, at the right kind of pace and dipping into the kind of material that they'd be interested in doing. And we've developed an individual form of CST, and that can be delivered by the family carer. And what we found with that was that the family carers and the people with dementia were saying, wow, this is great. You know, people were writing us letters saying, wow, now we know how to spend time with uh, our person uh, with dementia, and that suddenly we're able to communicate again and we can have fun, we can enjoy things together. So it's, it's a window to be able to do things in a new, in an interesting way, and, and especially because when somebody gets dementia, it's, um, it's a very new world for people, and it's a scary world, um, both for the person themselves, but also for their family carer. So it's trying to make the most of what abilities they have and keep things interesting and uh, you know have a variety of things just like you and I like to have a it's not one thing we do all the time to have a range of things that can be interesting so you can use the cognitive simulation therapy principles in in everyday activities this is built as a common sense approach and it certainly does have a lot of common sense can you talk the science about it and to what extent has the this uh, therapy been studied in peer-reviewed journal and some of those things that we kind of like to see when we're talking about whether we know something works or not. Sure. Well, again, um, Bob Woods and I, who started off this research program and then was joined by Amy Spector, who did a PhD on the area, we were um, aware that there's some new drugs were coming along. And we were also aware that the psychological therapies had... Um, fallen into the doldrums a bit, that people weren't using them or people being quite critical of them. So we put the evidence together that was around and we developed the new um, CST program. And then we, we, used this, we decided to evaluate it using standardized research methods, which usually involves a clinical trial. So we had a, a large clinical trial. Half of the group um, got CST. The other half of the group had usual care. And we measured um, important things uh, in terms of dementia, which was particularly we looked at quality of life, but also cognitive function. And what we found was that the people, we had uh, over 200 in our first trial, first major trial, we found that people who had CST had um, an improvement in their cognition after the end of the program, and also an improvement in their quality of life. And the level of the improvement was similar to the improvement that you may get with the the drugs that are used for dementia at the moment. So it wasn't that it was replacing drugs. It could be used as an alternative, but also in other longer-term studies, we found that it works very well with drugs. So we've got the what you'd call the quantitative research, which is the measures that you were using. And I know some people, sometimes you may talk to a family care and they say, well, you've got this, you've got the data, you've got these measures, but it wouldn't mean anything to, you know, my dad or my mum or something. But we've also done uh, what's known as qualitative research, where you're talking to people about their personal experiences and 
what it means to them. And from some of that, people have talked about how the conversation has improved, how they're more alert, they're more interested. And so both the family carers and the people with dementia have said about the benefits they've experienced, but also sometimes how those benefits can convert into everyday life in terms of being having better communication, being more interested, being more stimulated. And there's something about being able to, um, you know, if people are be- becoming impaired in their cognition, sometimes they're not actually, they tend to withdraw into themselves a bit. And this is very difficult because other people are not sure how to react. And the idea behind CST is it helps make people make the best of what functioning they've got and stimulates them. We're talking about dementia and Alzheimer's care and uh, different uh, th- strategies to uh, help people who are suffering from that. We need to take a quick break. We would like to you include you in the conversation. If you have a question or comment about this topic, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue the conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com. Now back to our conversation with John Morley, who's a professor of geriatrics at St. Louis University and also sees patients at SSM Health St. Louis University Hospital, and Martin Oral, the director of the Institute of Mental Health at the University of Nottingham and one of the founders of Cognitive Stimulation Therapy. And Dr. Morley, uh, can you talk a little bit about how these, this therapy and this experience has played on our side of the pond? So about 10 years ago, Dr. Oral visited, and we got very excited about CST. Uh, The first uh, study that was done was in one of our nursing homes, and we showed that in people in nursing homes with dementia, you could actually improve their memory at least as well, if not slightly better, than you could do with the drugs available at that time, the Aricepts and so on. Following that, we've had a number of programs, but down in Perry County, uh, Janice London and uh, Debbie Hayden got very excited about this. They now run 16 groups a week, which is huge for a county with only 3,000 older people, but it tells you how many people need this. But they've been following people up for a year with maintenance, and in those people, about 20% of them who had clear-cut dementia at the beginning are now normal. And that says what you can do with long-term stimulation. One of the important parts to realize about this and why it's harder to do it with your caregiver, your wife, for instance, with you, Jonathan, would (laughs) really be a disaster because fundamentally there are no wrong answers. And the problem is people who are close to you say, oh, John, you knew that all the time. You know, why are you? So the answer is to let the person explore what they're trying to explore. And when you do that, as I say, in Perry County, they're showing that you can get incredible results. And this is really exciting. This takes dementia into a different level where we can say, we can do things for you. And that's what I find so much fun about CSD. Does 
does this play a role in preventive care? Because I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if you start the principles of CST before somebody has dementia, does it help delay the onset of it? Or do we have any ideas or theories on that? Well, uh, in terms of what we've done so far with CST, it's designed that it works for people who already have mild to moderate levels of dementia. But we have done some research um, looking at uh, long-term follow-up studies of people who have using uh, stimulating leisure activities. And so what we found um, following up this, um, it's summarizing the results of other research, is that actually having cognitively stimulating leisure activities may, or may reduce your risk of dementia in the future. We also did another study in part of the English Longitudinal Study of Aging where we were looking at people's computer use over time. We had a 10-year follow-up and we found that people who were um, using computers uh, actually had a reduced risk of dementia developing over the 10 years. So we think that actually um, stimulating activities and also um, computer-based and web-based activities has a role to play, perhaps in helping to reduce the longer-term risk. How much of this is reflective of, of perhaps uh, society's approach to us as we get older, that, uh, that older people like to be pushed aside and maybe not engaged as much, and is that playing into dementia happening sooner and more severely that that maybe as a society we don't engage our elder population as much as we should. So I think a couple of things. One of the things is we know the people who get depressed basically develop some form of dementia. If you can treat the depression, they tend to get better. Uh, older people tend to get very lonely. About 20-30% of older people are unhappy and feel lonely. Uh, the Finnish people have developed a circle of friends for loneliness, and we've started doing this here now in St. Louis and Perry County. So, yes, getting people involved, society being more prepared to deal with an, uh, an older person, not rush them, is very important. This is creating an aging-friendly community, which is very important. And I think the Finnish geriatric study showed all of these things when put together as a preventive measure by showing that if you basically get people involved, do computer stuff, have a Mediterranean diet with extra virgin olive oil, which seems to work pretty well, and then uh, treat vascular disease and the computer games. You put it all together, you slow down the pre-dementia people, the rate at which they're losing their memory. So lots of things can be done. You have to be engaged, you have to be involved, and you need somebody a good professional to help you on this way, and we're trying very hard to do that at St. Louis University and in Perry County. We do have a listener, uh, Tom from Manchester, with an interesting question. Research suggests reversal of dementia can be helped by nicotine. Is that true? Okay, so, so Marty wants me to take it. Well, okay. I, I really hate smoking. My parents smoked all <laughs> their life, and I, I have never smoked. Okay, so I would like to say the answer is absolutely no, but nicotine is one of the acetylcholine stimulating agents. It works on the acetylcholine receptor. Uh, no one has ever shown 
in clearly that this would be a treatment. Certainly smoking is not a treatment because smoking accelerates your cardiovascular disease. But it is feasible that, like Aricept and some of the other drugs we use, that nicotine may have a small effect, but it doesn't seem to be as good as some of the other cholinesterase inhibitors. Marty, do you want to add anything to that? No, I think it's um, it's it's a complicated picture. I don't think we could we could say it in a you know in a um, authoritative way. But I suppose the other thing is that if people are, are dying of smoking-related diseases, then actually the the people who are surviving, uh, you know, despite smoking, um, that's perhaps a, perhaps a, a slightly different group from the general population, and it's hard mm. to know. Uh, what their cardiovascular risks and other risks would be in any way. So it may be, um, it's it's a confusing picture, but I don't think we could recommend it. <laughs> and the big problem with smoking is that you get lung disease. When you get lung disease, your oxygen goes down. When you don't get oxygen to your head, your head doesn't work. So I think that's another important thing to think about. Yeah. So we're not in any way re- recommending that you rush out there and get nicotine, okay? <laughs> well, it, it, just in general, um, there's there's very few things that can at least be improved by proper diet, good exercise, and mm-hmm. the things that lead to general health. That's going to help everything, right? I think there's no question about that. And I think it's important. There are lots of proper diets. There are lots of adequate exercise. There are lots of many things. People don't have to go out there and run marathons to do well. You don't have to totally give up your meat. You know, and this is the problem. So often health professionals come up with a diet that's so against what the average Missourian would eat, you know. Uh, we live in a cow-infested con- uh, state, and you've got to recognize you can't tell everybody to eat fish. Uh, I always put a plug in on this radio for Bob's Fish because they have fish that everybody will love, and they get it in twice a week, and it's superb. But, you know, the rest of us are going to eat meat, and that's what it's about. <laughs> well, I, I guess that, uh, that a common-sense practical balanced diet and reasonable physical activity is a good thing but that doesn't seem to get attention people want to have like the one uh, thing that's kind of extreme that, well, that this, they think is going to solve this is human beings so <laughs> cst is one of the extremes it takes a little bit of effort to do but it works very well without huge amounts of effort and i think we've got to just accept that Yes, no, very few people are going to do extremes, and extremes are often bad for you. You know, mm-hmm. if you take a little bit of Aricept to improve your memory, that's great. But if you increase the dose, we've shown this in animals and was shown with Tacrin originally, actually, as you go to higher doses, your memory gets worse. So you've got to recognize extremes are bad for all of us. You want to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, we have a listener who uh, called in weathering, asking, can an eye exam help diagnose dementia? You want to try, Marty? Or they, I, 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 simple and quick, there are some new data showing that you can look at the eye and you will see the amyloid plaques in the eye and new amyloid depositions. So the answer is it's moving that way. And as we improve it with artificial intelligence, we're most probably going to be going able to go in, get a picture of our eye taken, and it'll tell us almost everything that's wrong with us because the eye is a way to looking into the body. Uh, Madonna, one of our listeners in Crestwood, sent us an email, and she writes, When looking back, one of the first things we noticed about my relative 
was a personality change. He gradually went from a carefree, happy guy to an angry, aggressive personality. By the time we took over his care, he had dozens of bank accounts. Not wanting to admit there was a problem, he just opened a new one and start over. How common is the personality change followed by secretly covering up the problem in dementia patients? Well, um, normal, normally with uh, like Alzheimer's disease, the um, it's not the first thing that people are seeing. Often with Alzheimer's disease, it's a short-term memory that's been affected and everyday orientation and losing things and things like that. There are other types of um, dementia like uh, frontal lobe dementia where actually it's involving the executive function more, which can be things like judgment and planning and also your personality change. So sometimes you can get... Um, and this can be often missed. You know, if somebody's having changes in their personality, it's not necessarily people think of the first thing is, is dementia, but you can get personality changes as the first things that are happening, and then the, the memory changes become more evident later on as the dementia progresses. My, my father is uh, coming up on his 82nd birthday, and right. he is terrified of dementia. He's terrified of it. And, um, and, and we, you know, we, we try to make sure that he knows that, you know, there are a lot of people around you who love you and, and engage you. And, you know, if we think something's up, we will tell you. But what, to, to someone who is older and is, is fearful of this, what can they do now to, to try to make sure that they are on top of warning signs, um, especially when acknowledging a warning sign may be one of the first impairments that you have. So one of the things is that's why at St. Louis University we've screened over 10,000 people. Even though the United States Task Force says don't do it, if you pick these things up early, you can look. And whenever I go out and do a screening, one in 10 people I see has sleep apnea. Sleep apnea means you're not getting enough oxygen to your head. If you get it fixed with the CPAP. We've got lots of people now who are functioning totally normally after they've had themselves treated. You've got to look for the treatable causes. You've got to be checking if your father is basically okay, his fear goes away. Fear drives, stress drives you to getting more likely to become dementia. It'll push up your blood pressure. It'll make you feel sicker. There are all sorts of things about it. And I think it's really important to recognize that getting yourself screened if you're worried is good. Making sure that if there's a problem, you see a physician who's an expert in the area and that we, they go ahead and give you the appropriate things to do, the ways to prevent it getting worse, but also to reassure you that things can be done. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of neurologists and physicians who work with dementia believe that nothing can be done. They say, oh, well, we've got no real treatment. We'll give you a drug that may improve your memory a little bit, but they don't pay enough attention to the things that can be done. And cognitive stimulation therapy is an absolute boon, as I say, given the data we're getting out of Perry County for people who are running into trouble. It's working, it's working extremely well, and I think we have to recognize that we need much more of these psychological and supportive therapies for people early on in dementia to see if we can actually improve outcomes. Don't know, Marty, do you agree with that? I think, um, yes, I think that's a very good point. I mean, I think in terms of the early warning signs, some of the things I ask people about when I'm seeing them in the clinic might be, for example, um, are they still managing their money and managing their own finances? 
Um, have they stopped reading or they were reading books, but now they've gone on to reading magazines? Because reading is, it requires a lot of memory to follow a story and things like that. So um, alongside those things, I think it's good to be um, at any age, to be making the most of life, to be actually, sometimes it means, um, you know, going out and being involved in new activities, um, making sure, if you can, that you've got a social network that you're relating to. Some of our other work looked at um, having close relationships as being a protective fa factor in terms of developing dementia to later age. So um, making the most of what you can do, keeping, sometimes doing new activities, um, and sometimes there are activities that actually, um, you know, can be tailored toward an older age group, even though you might want to do them at a, a young... In England, we have what's called walking football. You know, it's still football, but it's uh, just done a bit differently. By football, he means soccer. Soccer, thank <laughs> you. And, um, I mean, certainly in the UK, we have a network of memory services across the UK, and it's now expected that all of those will provide cognitive stimulation therapy as part of the, you know... Uh, aftercare for dementia so it's become an, an ordinary thing that people would you know have uh, prescribed. What's the response to CST Ben especially considering that uh, unfortunately a lot of the reaction uh, to treatment of anything is give me the pill <laughs> that is going to fix this. Um, what has been the reaction to to, to CST in, in your experience? Well I think the I mean, because, you know, of the kind of medical world and because people are used to taking pills for this or taking pills for that, sometimes the idea that you can have a psychological intervention that can be of um, considerable benefit is sometimes in the research community or the clinical community, um, they're perhaps a bit cautious or a bit reticent. But when people have seen the benefits and the effects of this, um, particularly um, the, the care staff and the family carers and the people with dementia themselves, people become very enthusiastic. Wow, this really works. This is really helpful. And it's something that doesn't, you re doesn't require you to take a pill every day with particular side effects and things like that. It can be useful for people who perhaps have some, um, some other health problems that means they couldn't take the medication. So it's actually been a remarkable for some people, you know, when they're they're having their experiences and their benefits of CST, they've actually said, wow, we, you know, we really like this. Yeah, in the States, we've had tremendous positive response. You know, you think in the States everybody wants a pull, but they, people know the pulls don't work that well for basically Alzheimer's disease, dementia. And when you say, well, here is something else you can do, the caregivers get excited because it gives them some time off. Uh, it really works amazingly well. And people get happier. I mean, the data that they've got in Perry County in particular for happiness just goes way off the map when people get into this sort of program. So I think we've got to recognize that we're moving into an area where people are thinking a little further forward about what is really good and useful. Mm. Uh, and I think that's important. Uh, and it's why we love CST so much at St. Louis University. If, if someone is interested in CST, they've never heard it before this radio show. 
what what would be their next steps to learn more about it and to see if it would be something for them or for one of their relatives? So a couple of things at the website, uh, aging dot, at slu.edu, a lot of information is available on CST, including some YouTube videos. But in addition to that, if they have questions to ask, if they phone 314-977-2151, Marla Bergweger, one of the people who works in our group, will answer or try and answer their questions. The last time we did this, we got a couple of hundred questions. So it may take time Mm -hmm. before we get back to everybody, but we try very hard to get back to people. The other thing is we have, um, there's a, a website which is, is called cstdementia.com, which has links to the international websites and the international centers. We're also trying to make CST and CST principles more available. So we've come up with the first television program for people with dementia called Time to Think. We just got a pilot episode of that. We played that today. And we've developed an app for CST, which is available in the in the iStore and also on uh, Google Play, which is called Thinkability. So the idea behind Thinkability is it's things that people can do together with somebody else, which are you know interesting activities uh, using the principles of CST, and you know it's nice to be able to have something that you, we can put out there, which is um, you know more more straightforward and they can use on their iPad or their tablet. Dr. John Morley of St. Louis University and Dr. Martin Oral of the University of Nottingham, thank you both very much for joining us today, and and thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Doctor. Thanks a lot. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.